Welcome back to Tell Me Two Things, season two. It's a uh, it's we took a little break, unintended break. <laughs> Life happens, break. <laughs> so not really season two. We just uh, we just haven't gotten that after it. So we started strong, and then life happened. Well, we we initially did a third podcast, but it was right before Christmas, and you could audibly hear the tension. <laughs> so we decided not to post that one, and then life happened. So, yeah, yeah, but we're back. Yeah, episode three. Cue music and go. Welcome to Tell Me Two Things. A marriage podcast, a significant other podcast, a podcast for married people, a, a podcast, podcast for domestic partners, for unmarried people, for civil unions, for relationships, two people, <laughs> a podcast for you. <laughs> All right, so we ended the last story bit of the podcast when we said, I love you. For the first time, yeah. For the first time. And we talked a little bit about, uh, we were both at college at the time. And then what happened? Well, to brief everyone, I, I told him not to tell me that he loved me until... He knew that I was the one. And so when we said, I love you, when he told me I love you for the first time, that was essentially him saying, I know that you're the one. So it wasn't just like a meaningless, I love you in like the second week of us being together or whatever. But um, so from there, I don't remember when exactly that happened, but then you eventually... When when did we start dating? In April of 2000. I mean, not 2000. Oh my gosh. Um, April... 98, okay. 97, 97, April of 97, 98, sometime 98. in the 90s, <laughs> one of those years. So we started dating in April. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You were at school. At this point, I was not at Bethany. It was 98. I went to a community college and was working at a camp. Right. And then you came up and worked the camp for the summer. Yeah. And then. Yeah. Then that following semester, I was back at Bethany and you went to Cabri- Cabrillo College. Yes. And then it wasn't until December that you moved away right. from me. Right. So we had from April through December. Mm-hmm. What's that? Eight months? Yeah, I think so. Nine months, something like that together where... Um, we were together a lot. There was a not a lot of distance between us w- during those months um, because then you came and lived out at the camp for that summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we were seeing each other every day. And then in December, I decided to move across the country. Away from me. I oh. mentioned that already. <laughs> <laughs> and I landed in South Carolina to do some work for my dad at a church. Yep. So between December and March, there was phone calls that happened every day. I I rem- I think they happened every day, but you hate being on the phone, so it it seemed like a chore for you maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so I tried not to keep them on the phone very long, and so 
um, yeah, but that was our relationship was there wasn't, you know, we didn't have FaceTime or, um, video chat or zoom or any of that stuff it was straight up that could landline calling each other been back in the day of long distance calling so yeah it wasn't cheap to call across yeah. the country so children there there was this thing before cell phones where if you called outside of your area code it cost a lot of money and that was during those times and yeah. then you, your parents lived in germany Mm-hmm. which was even more expensive for you. But to I had call a phone them. card that they paid for, for me to call home. Got it. So no excuse for you not to call them. Right. And I called them every week. <laughs> I called you every day, but I had talked to them every week. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I said in March, because in March you flew out to South Carolina to visit me. During spring break. During yeah. During spring break. And uh, that was the first time we had seen each other since. December. December. In any form or fashion. Because again, no FaceTime, no I think we wrote letters or cards or I wrote letters and cards. I don't know, something right, like that. Right. And then in March, I when you were out for that week um, visiting me, staying with me, I asked Staying you, with your family. Staying with the family. I asked you a very important question. Do you remember what that was? Would you like fries with that? <laughs> <laughs> no? Oh, yeah. No, he asked me to marry him. How, how, did, how did that go? Um, well... To be fair, we were already, because we were long distance, we were already talking about marriage and what that would look like. And so I was already privy to the fact that he was going to ask me during that week that I was there. And so it wasn't a shock. I just didn't know when it would happen or where it would happen. And that the day that you asked me, we, did we pack a picnic? I don't remember if we did a picnic. we, We went out to Chimney Rock. Chimney Rock. In North Carolina? Mm-hmm. South Carolina. In North, North Carolina. We drove to Chimney Rock, which is about, I think, three three hours away, and climbed up to the top of Chimney Rock, looked out. I was telling this story just this last week to my friend Jason, um, because we, anyway, we looked, there was a ton of people up at Chimney Rock, and I had the ring in my pocket, and I knew I was going to ask you, I just didn't know where, right? It was before the time of, uh, of setting up paparazzi to record the whole <laughs> having thing. friends all yeah <laughs> right i wasn't smart enough to sing a song or do a dance so or have like uh, pictures along the way memorable whatever whatever all right. the picturesque instagrammable things that people do now right didn't yeah. have any of that that wasn't a thing i just had then. a ring in my pocket yep and i was nervous as heck because i don't think i ever told you i'm going to ask you to marry me this week i'm pretty sure i knew the it, you, ring. you had the ring you knew though yeah right because we had yeah. talked about what if I think. Well, I told you what kind of ring I wanted. Yep. And I went out and I bought the ring mm-hmm. all by myself. Yeah, he picked it out himself. The only requirement was I don't want a solitaire diamond. That's it. That's the only thing. I didn't tell him a cut. I didn't tell him anything else. Yeah. You bought it yourself. You chose it. You picked it out. And, and I you s- dropped it in the river. <laughs> <laughs> so after walking around with the ring in my pocket... Uh, we went to leave, and I, and as we were leaving Chim- Chimney Rock, because there was just a ton of people up there, as we were leaving. We p- passed over this bridge, and uh, I said, "Let's go, let's go hop on these rocks in the middle of this uh, this river. river." And it was a flowing a river, beautiful, fast flowing river with huge <laughs> boulders in there. Yeah. And so we did. We made our way out, and um, and I thought to myself, "This, I'm gonna." I'm going to do it right here. We're going to, I'm going to pop the question right here. It's beautiful. We're in nature through this. In the middle of the river on a rock. As soon as I pulled the ring out of my pocket, I thought this is not a good idea. (laughs) 
because <laughs> what happens if I drop the string? I am hosed. I'm screwed. Uh, I I didn't drop the ring. Somehow I pulled it out. I was terrified that you were going to drop the ring. I think you knew at that point because we were yeah. both sitting on this rock. I couldn't get on my knee, I don't think. Or did I? I don't remember. I don't remember. It's not important. It, it isn't. So, But I turned to you, asked you if you would marry me with death grip on this ring box. And then I said, let me think about it. And I got back to you in a week. <laughs> <laughs> so let's rewind three or a month. Um, when I knew I wanted to marry Kelly, I right before I purchased the ring, I called her dad who was in Germany. And I didn't talk. I don't know if I'd ever talked to him before. Uh, but I, you know, Mr. Smith, I'd like to marry your daughter. And he said, uh, he was a chaplain at the time in the army. And he said, uh, okay, uh, what does the Bible say about that? And so we went through this whole conversation for, I mean, it seemed like it was two hours long, but it was in, it was probably five minutes. And I said, well, you know, the Bible says that man should leave his wife or his family and marry his wife and lay down his life for anyway. And so at the end, I got all the questions right. I nailed it. And then at the end, he was like, okay. And I was thinking, is, can I marry your daughter? Yes or no? And he said, well, let me talk to her mother and then I'll get back to you in a week. He said, and I'll get back to you. And you didn't hear from him for an entire week. Yeah. Like, and at that point, you were like, I don't flip and care if he says anything. I That was out of respect, not asking for permission. Ooh, he was mad. <laughs> yeah, I didn't tell you that until after, you know, yeah, I yeah. asked you. But yeah. um, I remember getting off the phone with, with him and talking to my parents and said, like, I did this out of respect, like you said. Mm -hmm. uh, if he comes back and says no, then it's, it's not up to him at this point, right? Yeah. Uh, but he came back and said yes, and since then... A week later. A week later. Because Germany, <laughs> we were on this weekly... No, cadence. no. Um, anyway, he called back, said yes. Um, 21 years later now, I am the favorite son-in-law. Absolutely. And, and, and have been the entire... They didn't entire meet... Week. My parents didn't meet you until exactly a week before the wedding, because they were in Germany. And so, yeah... And they literally hated you. They and, well, they like didn't you. hate me, hate you, but they didn't care for you particularly until they actually met him. And then now he is legit the favorite and he always has been. And we had this conversation with your mom. Yesterday. Just last night. Yeah. <laughs> and she does not deny it. She's like, yeah, he's my favorite. So you said yes. Yes. You didn't drop the ring. I didn't drop the ring. Right. We head back to spend the rest of the week. You fly back to California. Yep. Then it's another, then we get married in August. Mm -hmm. I went back to Germany for that summer. We were planning the wedding. And so in 99, finished school that year. Then I flew to Germany and st stayed there for the summer. And then in August came back. And so I came back a week before the wedding. So I think we all kind of flew in the week before the wedding. And that's when I saw d'artagnan with my sister for the first time because he dated her first my twin sister and that was the first time that she had seen us together and i was a little apprehensive about that and then my parents i knew they didn't really care for you and i was really apprehensive about that so there's a lot of anxiety going into it but yeah in august of 1999 so all the time from december mm -hmm. until august outside Long of one week we were apart. Long distance, yeah. Long distance. And how did, in your mind, how has that translated over the last 21 years? 
as far as what did building that nine months apart, eight months apart do for us or what, what did it lay any kind of foundation? What do you, what do you think that piece is different than if we would have been together for those nine months? Well, the, we've all heard the saying of it's, you know, you can live with them, but can you live without them? And so we were very close proximity when we, you know, we're in college together and then you moved away. And then it was that like, I don't want to live life without you. I can't, I, I choose you. And yeah. And I think that was, it kind of solidified that we were really good together and we needed to be together. If that makes sense for communication sake, as well as yeah. Right. So lots of verbal communication, not so much nonverbal communication because we were apart. Um, nonverbal meaning body language. Right. Yeah. Right. We couldn't see each other. But I think looking back at that time over those nine months that we were apart and kind of juxtaposing it against the last year that we've been really stuck together in, in COVID. Yeah. COVID. Quarantine. Um, it's, it's been a rough, I mean, it's been a rough year for everybody, literally everybody, yeah. the entire world. Um, what just curious about what what we are there things that we could take from what we learned from being nine months apart 21 years ago and apply them or are there things that we're doing in our day-to-day that we learned from that time that we can impart in today and mesh those together i don't necessarily remember like tangible things that we learned during those nine months as far as our relationship and communication style. But I think we can apply the fact that you have to be adaptable. We weren't, we were together constantly. And then all of a sudden we weren't together for nine months and we had to adapt to that and we had to figure it out and we had to communicate in a different way. And sure you hated to talk on the phone, but you did it because that was the way we communicated. And so I think with COVID and quarantine and we're in Oregon. So we're still like in phase one and we've literally been in our home for almost, it's been a year and our kids are going to school online. Um, schools aren't open. It's like, we've all been in this house together for an entire year and we've all had to adapt because it's completely different. Life this last year has been completely different. Yeah, for for me as a a bona fide introvert, um, it's been quite the adjustment. Just because um, I liked the guardrails of my day going into the office, like driving alone, going to the office, being in the office, you know, going to work out or whatever, and then coming home. I had those guardrails of like silence and being by myself. And so transitioning into a year of working together. I've had to learn like there's some things that I need to do for me, which are just maybe get out and drive every so often, right? Just go for a drive, roll the windows down or up, depending on what time of year <laughs> year it has been, um, and then just be by myself. And that's something that helps me recharge. Um, and it's because it's different. It's different of going from going into the office every day to being at home every day with everybody home all the time, right? Our house isn't that big, but so we're all there gotten used to people walking by the video conference right that's happening 
Um, and all of us have gotten there. So for me, that's that's one thing that I've done. Kelly, I'm interested in what's one thing you've done or some things that you can tell. And then what have we done? Well, as an extrovert, um, well, first of all, I was really surprised. Your reaction to being at home was surprising to me in that you weren't handling it well and that you are an introvert. And I thought introverts would love to be home and you were going stir crazy much faster than me. But because I was a stay at home mom for 14 years, I feel like I've, I've been conditioning myself all my life for this moment. (laughs) I'm a professional stay at home. And so it hasn't been that huge of an adjustment for me because I have been a stay at home mom for 14 years. Of course, for the last three and a half, um, I was working outside the home, but as an extrovert, it's when I'm not around people, I can get depressed. And so for me and two of our kids, depression, anxiety, it's been a real struggle for the last year. Yeah. Be- because of sh- those shifting norms. of Because not- we need to be around people right. to get energized and that's how we flourish and thrive and we're not, this year is not a year of thriving for anybody, really, I don't think. And so for me, I sleep a lot <laughs> and I eat a lot. And um, I do try to get out every single day and get fresh air. Um, I read books. I've took up painting. So I did do that. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's nothing really like one tangible thing that I can say, oh, this has been my life saving whatever for this year. And I don't have that. But how about yeah. for how about for us, me and you? What, so, what's been that thing for us that you see? Again, we've had to adapt this year because you have had those, as you said, guardrails leaving the house and you didn't realize that you relied on those until they were taken away from you. And so that was a shift in. Um, mood and routine and that was interesting we hadn't really experienced that side of you or not that side of you but that no totally get it but that that aspect that aspect of yeah that and whereas you've been with me through depression and anxiety and all that and I hadn't seen you struggling in that capacity so we've had to learn to adapt and when we need space and when we need to come together. And I, we really haven't done a podcast because life has been really hard. We've had quite a few people pass, like pass away. So we've been grieving. Um, our, some of our kids, our kids are struggling. Um, we have a kid that's going to college and there's just a lot happening. And we've, (laughs) we haven't done the best at creating that safe space to really communicate with each other. Um, I think the one thing that has saved us is going for a walk almost every single day. And we may not talk at all, anything meaningful during the day. Um, but when we go for our walks, it really carves out time and space to actually check in and talk to each other. So that's been really, it's been a lifeline for our marriage. For sure. It's, it's something that is, um, rain or shine we've done mm-hmm. so it's uh, it's been exciting and I look forward to those those times um, and again I think what you had said even in the quiet there's 
there's something about learning each other in the quiet through yeah. when we look back 21 years ago, we didn't have that nonverbal piece. So, but I mean, there, there can be day, <laughs> days that, um, that I just don't say a whole lot because, you know, I'm processing or whatever. So, but those walks are, are good. I can say my words that I need to say or don't need to say, and Kelly can say her words and we can, we can connect on that level. So, um, encourage you to go out and get a walk, get a walk in fresh air. It really, really, really does make a difference. And winter is my favorite season, like my absolute favorite season. I love hibernating. I love all things cozy and I love dreary days, but because of COVID and quarantine, the sun is shining right now and I could not be more thrilled. And it's so weird for me because that's not, sunshine is not my favorite, but it is right now (laughs) because we need, we need that. I need that. All right. Well, uh, well, that's, that's our time for today. And we will see you here in three more months. Well, and I guess I would just leave you with three. No, not three more months. And I guess what you can take away tangible would be um, creating a safe space, whether it's just shoulder to shoulder where you're not really saying anything, you're watching a movie or Netflix, or what reading a book or whatever it is, he's playing video games or you're playing video games and reading, whatever, whatever it is, shoulder to shoulder. Um, even if you're not really communicating, but you're there together in the same space, that's helpful. Do what you got to do to make it work, figure it out, adapt, be adaptable, be flexible, but lean into each other. Right. And understand that things change. That adaptability piece Mm -hmm. I think has been key of saying, all right, we might not look like we used to look, but we're still we're still making it through this, right? We're we're walking through this time of super crazy COVID times, and we're going to come out on the other hand on the other side, hand in hand, still, right? Yeah, it's that we're not thriving, we're surviving. <laughs> there's there's pieces <laughs> but you, of but in order to survive, you got to figure ish out. You can't just sit back and let life happen. You got to dig in and survive it. Right. Yeah. So surviving is okay. Thriving is okay. Yeah. Let's just make it through this. There's seasons. There's of there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Ebb and flow. Yep. And then we'll keep walking together. How about that? Yeah. But it's been really hard, guys. So if you're struggling, totally get it. You're not alone. But we're good. We're good. We're in a good place. Yeah, we are. This has been fun. Thanks for sitting down again. Yeah. Thank and you. And doing this. Thanks for listening. All yeah. you, all yins out there. <laughs> all, right. all, all y'all. We're, we're going to try to do it more often. No, we're not going to try. We're going to we're do this going more to often. We're going to do this more often. Yes. More often than we've done in the past three months. We will be doing one hopefully every week. You we have hopefully. it. We have it scheduled on our calendar. <laughs> so. so more Tell Me Two Things coming your way. Yep. So stay tuned. We're not in season two. We are still in season one. But... Gosh, I want a season two so that we can just put this COVID season behind us. Right, that's coming. That's coming. coming. That's the light at the end of the tunnel I was talking about. All right, Kelly. All right, y'all. Love you too.